Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. the Femipod. This is episode 12. Thank you for those who have joined us throughout this season. This will be our last episode for season number one. And Esther and I are both taking a break for the next two weeks and coming back fresh and hot in the first week of January of 2022 for a whole new season of the Femi Podcast. So today we are flipping things up a little bit and Esther is going to be interviewing me. Welcome back to the Femi Pod. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Like Lyd said, today I'll be chatting with Femi founder and coach Lydia. She's an inspiration to many through her love for running, care for people, and drive to make the world a better place. Lydia is not only a badass business owner, but she is also an advocate for the benefits of movement on mental health, a very talented runner with multiple national titles from the 3K to the half marathon. And six years ago, she set her sights on the marathon, a tough distance for anyone. With a very speedy time of 2.38, Lydia just ran again in the Melbourne Marathon and smashed it. Currently in recovery mode at the moment, I'm sure. So welcome, Lydia, to the Femipod as a guest this time. How are you and how are you feeling after the marathon? Thanks, Esther. What an intro. (laughs) Just hope people know that I didn't write that intro, Esther. I am feeling good. Yeah, three days post the race. So I've spent the last few days taking it pretty easy. The legs have been pretty tired and sore. Uh, The marathon is a beast of a distance and it takes a lot out of you. So I went for my first job today. So I'm feeling a, a little bit better, which is good. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't imagine. I was so sore after a half. So double that distance and also very fast sounds painful um do you want to tell us a little bit about how you went and yeah tell us about your Melbourne Marathon experience the race more so than anything else yeah the race was incredible I think after you know two over two years of not lining up for a marathon start line it was so good to just be there amongst everybody you know the start line of a marathon is so special because everyone is so excited nervous there's so much energy around and everyone has been on their own journey to get there so I don't know the hype at the start line I just love that atmosphere and it's cool just to be there with other people so yeah being at that start line was awesome I think I was uh, I was nervous for sure but I think because of the journey that I've been through I was just more excited to do the distance and I didn't have too much pressure on myself to run a specific time I just wanted to run and get to the finish line so it was a tough race like it the marathon is always a tough day like it's such a long way and it's mentally the most challenging thing I've ever done so every marathon I've learned something new about myself and this one was no different to those and I was so lucky that I had one of my best friends out there with me Andy Sargent who I've done a lot of training with and I've been really good friends with him for a few years now and we uh, were in such a similar boat in terms of our journey to the marathon so we just kind of got to that start line together. We're like, let's just do this and do it together and finish together. And it was incredible that we were side by side for the entire distance. So, I mean, it's it's hard when you're out there alone, but when you have someone there with you, it definitely helped me so much to get through the distance because with the marathon and any race, more so with the marathon, you go through these 
waves of emotions where you feel really good for parts of it and then you feel terrible for parts of it and that kind of um that flow continues the entire way so having someone with you and knowing that when you're not feeling so great they might be feeling good and be able to help you along and then you know vice versa when I was feeling good Andy wasn't feeling good and I was able to pull him along we kind of like played that to and fro for the entire way and I think that 100% got me through that race so it was awesome we went through the half probably too fast we were aiming although we didn't really have expectations on what pace we wanted to run you kind of always have an idea of what pace you will run or you know are capable of and with the build-up that I had I thought you know 245 was achievable but it would still be pushing it and we got to the half in just under 80 minutes and we're like all right that's too quick that's not like um, I don't think we're in that space to be running a sub 240 today so let's just pull it back and relax a little bit and thankfully Andy just kept checking in on me being like relax 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 and that forced me to slow down or else it's so hard with the marathon you can get carried away uh, too early in the race because you do feel pretty good so I was lucky that he kind of kept pulling me back to reality and making me chill out and it just made me just enjoy the race more so as well and um you know absorb the atmosphere and cheer everyone else on and yeah it was it was a good day it was hard but it was a good day yeah it looked so amazing I had some serious FOMO and you did so well with what you had been through leading into the marathon do you want to just uh run through your journey to get to the start line of Melbourne Marathon and how you dealt with the tough times yeah, where do I start? Uh, <laughs> it was such a long journey. As I said, I haven't raced a marathon now for over two years. So ever since my last Melbourne marathon in 2019, I kind of had my sights set on the next one. But I guess I was focused uh, really specifically on this race since July this year. I was uh, in New Zealand at the start of the year. and um, I was kind of in training with the idea that I was going to run a marathon later in the year, but it wasn't until I really got back to Australia at the end of July where I really was focused on this race and at that time the Melbourne Marathon was going to be in October but obviously because of COVID and restrictions the race was pushed back to December which I actually think was a beneficial thing for me because I don't think I was quite ready to race the race that I wanted to in October um, but I have been in training since July so that's a long time to really be focused on one event and with the marathon build it's really um, important that you periodize your training to be peaking at the right time when the race does come around. And so to, I guess, be peaking in October, thinking the race may be then, and then having to pull it back and then try and peak again in December, that's a big ask in itself and one that I think many of the athletes that were training for the Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival were facing and they had trying to navigate their way through kind of that really long, long build. Um, so that was challenging. And then I guess throughout the build, there was just, there were many cases and instances where I was, you know, facing um, some struggles mentally, physically. I think the, I know if, if anyone kind of watched they, my vlogs, they would have seen that, you know, I had some breathing issues after I got the COVID vaccine, which affected me in training quite heavily for a wee while and even then I was kind of questioning whether I was going to get to that start line and and then from there it was about three weeks out from the race where I do feel like I was definitely coming into peak form and feeling pretty good fitness wise exhausted from the training but ready to race I was out on a run with one of my with Andy actually my training buddy and we had a bit of a trip and um, I've been suffering a hamstring tendinopathy for about five years and unfortunately on that trip I just overextended the hamstring and it pulled on the tendon and, and it really flared the tendon up so 
immediately I thought I had pulled the tendon and I I guess I saw my marathon just like melt away from me in that moment because I was in so much pain I didn't think I was going to be able to run for a very long time um and then I took two weeks of barely any running after that with the idea that I probably wasn't going to be able to race um I was in the gym a lot I was cycling and strength training thinking you know knowing that how much my tendon needed load so I was doing everything I really could getting an ice bars getting massage physio everything um to try and get my body in a position where I could just at least even give the marathon a crack and so it really wasn't until three to four days before the race that I actually committed and realized that I I think I can run it. Um, It's probably not going to be the race that I was hoping for, which I was trying to run a sub 235 initially. And I think I've had my sights set on running sub 230 for a long time now. And I I believe that 235 is super achievable for me. So I guess when I decided to race a a few days out from the marathon race start, I just said to myself, you know, like let go of the idea of running these fast times and just purely go there and run it. So I mean, if you told me a few months ago that I was going to go and race a 2.44 marathon and get ninth, I would have probably been pretty disappointed and gutted and felt disheartened by that idea of that. And But getting across that finish line, it meant more to me than anything just to finish, I think. Yeah, I was mentally not that well going into the race and I think I was just trying to get through um but knew that if I could get to the finish line I would feel such reward and all the training would have been worth it just to cross the the finish line with um Andy and get through the race and the end of the year really it was a celebration of making it through 2021 the the hardest year of my life so yeah we got there (laughs) wow it's actually so amazing even though you were injured and barely ran you still ran 244 like that's still so amazing and although it's not what you wanted it's still yeah it's so amazing that you even got out there and finished the race you should be super proud of yourself um, Thanks, um obviously like racing can be really mentally draining as well and you you seem to be really mentally strong and um I wonder like how you deal with the mental side of races and say you hadn't got this injury and you were going in in peak form how would you deal or prepare for a race like that mentally and what are the key things you kind of run through in your mind before a big race like Mm -hmm. that yeah it's funny because I felt quite relaxed at the start line because I'd taken the pressure and expectation of myself but when I do have a time or a goal or I'm trying to make a team and I'm lining up at a start line I am a lot more nervous and a lot more highly strung and I think mentally for me working through what really works for me to run the best Um, I've learned a lot about myself in the last few years from races that I've done that haven't gone well because of the expectation I put on myself and if you haven't listened to our podcast talking about pressure and expectation I'd suggest to go back and listen to it because we did speak a lot about dealing with this expectation and mentally how it can affect you when you do go to perform and for me like I know I run the best when I am relaxed and when I am there to just have a good time and like really just allow myself to absorb the atmosphere and the energy of everyone else. I think when I'm really, really focused on something, um, I get so consumed by failing that 
it it probably overwhelms me and makes me so nervous that it affects my performance in the long term anyway so I think that idea of failing can really ruin people and it has ruined me in the past like the idea of not running a time that I've set myself up for and told people that I can run and that's my goal you know I just get to a point where I'm like if I can't do that who am I and why am I and what's the point of all of this and yeah I've definitely been there especially when I tried to qualify for world champs and got so consumed by trying to make the team and then ended up actually pulling out of the race you know so for me like mentally I found just trying to relax and going the day before the race like although we had a lot on with Nike and work and everything I think um it was probably a good thing for me because it distracted me from the idea of just thinking about the race so much. So I think it's important, you know, if you are racing, um, trying to find things that distract you and like even literally just sitting down and watching a movie that's really consuming and you like really like get lost in that movie and take your mind off the race. I think this year I ran a massive 10 K PB at the start of the year and the two to three hours before the race, I watched the Billie Eilish documentary and it like, fully just took my mind off the race that I was about to run and I ended up having this incredible race because I think I was just so like I don't know hyped up from the energy but from not being like too consumed by nerves and fear of losing and and expectation on me so yeah I think mental prep is super important and for me it's all about relaxing and and really just focusing on why I do what I do and why we all do what we do and it's because we enjoy it it should be fun and we talk a lot about that. Hey, yes, it's just like focus on the fun and and the results will come in time. Definitely. And I think, yeah, I relate so much to that. All of my best races have been the races that I'm the most relaxed or not like consumed with um, a certain time. So, yeah, I think um, I'm sure you would have got that time anyway. <laughs> but it's cool that you went into that with no expectations on yourself um, and you still ran so well. So, Obviously, with Femi, we train our athletes to their menstrual cycle. How do you, as such a high-performing athlete, deal with hormonal fluctuations yourself? And how do you deal with, say, you know, everyone's different, but you might have a certain time in your cycle where you're affected the most in in your training and you've got a race that lands right there. How do you deal with that mental side of things? And then, yeah, um, I guess um, still perform really well when you're in that period where you potentially don't feel as good. Yeah, that's a great question. Yes. Um, so <laughs> my my cycle in the weekend, I would think I was on day 20 um, on Sunday, on race day. And to be honest, I find days probably 20 to 25 the worst for me, or I just don't feel the best um, in most of my cycles around those times. So I was like a little bit worried, I guess, I think eight weeks out from the race, I kind of had sat down, you know, written out the calendar and tried to figure out what day I would be on for the race. And then when I realized I was going to be on about day 20, I was a little bit like, uh, that's not ideal. Like I would love to be racing around, you know, days seven, eight, nine, ten. That's probably when I feel the best. Um, and then even in t- heading into ovulation, I usually perform pretty well around there. So knowing that I wasn't going to be in those like prime times for me, it does affect you a little bit. But I think for me, it's just more being like, focus on what you can control and what does make you feel good and try to um, get, do everything you can for your body to be in the best possible position when it does come to race day, even if you are in your high hormone phase. So 
it is hard knowing like um, other people, especially if you are competitive and you're racing other girls, like you knowing that they might be in their you know, prime time and you are, it does feel a little unfair, but that's the world we live in. And that's just one thing that we, I think, have to accept and realize that although it might not be um, feel fair to you at the time, we all, you know, there'll always be a time and a place where it will work in your favor and then like allowing like that time to be the time when you shine. But I think it doesn't mean you can't race well um, or perform high in your high hormone phase. It's just making sure like probably focusing more on sleep. Like I'm a massive advocate for sleep, but even more so in my high hormone phase and like making sure I'm getting enough sleep because the more sleep we can get, the more time we can allow our body to recover and become, you know, be given the best place to be able to race well and making sure I'm fueling really well and eating you know really balanced diet and making sure I'm getting enough like starch carbohydrates and allowing my body to try and balance out my hormones as much as they can stress is a massive one so I think if I'm like a week or two leading into a really important race um, knowing I'm going to be in my high hormone phase for that race trying even more so to eliminate other stresses in my life is really important. My life is really important because if you can do that, hopefully your, your hormones will become more balanced as well and have less of an impact on your race day results. So mentally, it's just allowing yourself to accept it um, and do what you can, or anything that's in your control to be able to race as well as you can. Yeah, that's, yeah, super Super important and so true. And I've got a race coming up, which I'm going to be in that terrible phase. So I will take all your advice. Sleep. <laughs> yep. Sleep heaps and um, yeah, just control what I can control. So thank you, Liz. That was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, running can be super painful and scary and quite hard. And some people struggle with the aspect of like really pushing yourself to the absolute brink of what your body can do. How do you get yourself ready to deal with such pain? Because you know, there's that saying that the best athletes can like disassociate with pain because, you know, it's just your body basically being like, "Mm, my heart rate's pretty high here. Like potentially we should stop, but it's actually not bad for you and you will be fine. So how do you deal with like that? um, I guess, knowing that you're going to be in quite a lot of pain, especially for a marathon, which is, you know, that last, whatever as everyone says, the 10 Ks, the last 10 Ks is where it really hurts. How do you deal with um, and get yourself ready for that type of pain? That's so funny because I was literally thinking about this in the race. Obviously, I'm in pain in the race, but the idea that you don't stop, like I find it super interesting. I find the psychology of it really interesting when you are in so much pain, everything hurts, like your entire body hurts, but your brain hurts even, you know, like, you and you still don't stop, you keep going. And I'm like, surely I'm psychotic. Like surely all of us out there have got something going on. (laughs) <laughs> to keep us moving like it's crazy when you're in that much pain um but you still keep going and it's probably something that I have missed in the last couple of years of not racing because you really don't get yourself into that hurt locker until you're in a race there's no way you can enter at the pain game like that in training and you shouldn't be entering in training anyway so I think over the last couple of years, and that was probably something I was most nervous about going into the race. I haven't been in that position and 
push myself to that brink of pain for so long I'm terrified at getting there because I haven't faced it in such a long time so I think for me it's just like before the race and it's hard if you've never run a marathon before or even run a race before and you've never been there before but once you experience it going back like and mentally preparing for the pain that you're about to endure is I think quite important like you don't want to scare yourself and freak yourself out being like it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt but knowing like yes it's gonna hurt the pain's gonna come the pain's gonna go it's momentary like it's you will work be able to work through that and really just like encouraging yourself that you can deal with it because no matter at what pace you're running or how far you're running like that pain game if you're pushing yourself you're gonna get there um and it's just mentally dealing with it the best way that you possibly can and honestly like the marathon is just like a whole other ball game of like I think I think about an 800 and that's horrible like it's like I actually hate that 800 because of how sore it is but it's so short lived you know whereas the marathon you have so much time to consume that thought of pain and deal with it I just find that like so challenging but so rewarding um and it's one of those things that's really hard to explain to someone that pain that you go through in a marathon until they actually experience it and you're kind of like yeah I'm just everyone that ran that marathon on Sunday I'm in awe of because we all went through that we all battled through that pain and I think even you know the half and the 10k the 5k everyone has gone through an incredible journey to be able to get through that race super it's so impressive but for myself mentally, like, I'm just probably, that's probably what I'm the most proud of um, coming out of that race is working through the pain. And I know I wasn't racing at the pace that I kind of had hoped or initially planned, but I, it's still bloody hurt. <laughs> and I think having someone like my friend Andy there with me, knowing that he was suffering, but he was going to keep going 100% helped me so much. And there were times where I was falling off the back and he'd just put his hand out and grab my hand and pull me up almost. So I'm like, he's in it, I'm in it, everyone around me is in it. We've just got to like keep getting through it and knowing like, I think for me it was really about um, counting down, and this probably sounds horrible, but counting down your pace to the finish or counting down the time and being like, I just have to sit in this pain for another half an hour or I've got to sit in the pain for another 15 minutes and then it's 10 minutes and then it's five minutes and then it's okay and you get closer and closer to finishing and letting that pain go. But yeah, I think mentally preparing and accepting that you're going to hurt is really important and it allows you to accept it and just get through it when it comes. Yeah, that's funny that you say, I like talk about 800s. Uh, yeah, I think 800s are terrifying but yeah, they're over very, very fast, but it's like extreme pain, but you know, two and a bit minutes. Whereas, yeah, like you said, a marathon is a long time to be in that pain. Um, so it's probably mentally harder. Um, it's a different pain. I think they're yeah. both, like, they're both obviously very painful, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but different sorts of pain. I think the 800 is probably more physical pain. And I would say that marathon is more mental pain because you're you're still alive and kicking but you have to keep moving when you're you know you're still when you're like sitting in that pain whereas the 800 it's just like my body is about to shut down but I've only got 200 meters to go oh man I actually have like get sweaty hands thinking about some of the 800s that I've done and then 
one time I was just not feeling that good, but I, I still did pretty well. And then I finished and I like collapsed on a chair and I couldn't get up because I was just so lactic, but it's similar, oh. you know, it's just so similar, but it's, yeah, it is different. Like, um, yeah, like, like you don't get that lactic build up, which is like a whole different form of pain. Yeah. <laughs> it's all mental challenges. And that's why I love sport and I love running because it makes you so mentally strong. Like I had a, I had a run with one of my semi girls this morning and she couldn't um, she couldn't get any of her gels down from 5Ks in of the marathon. So she had to go 37K without a gel. Mm. And that's crazy. And I just <laughs> my silver lining was imagine how much stronger your mind got through that race because she was in so much pain from 5Ks in. And I'm like, it's incredible that your mind allowed you to finish, you know? And I'm like, I think about the benefits you get from going to those really dark places. It's like anything in life. You face a challenge or you face adversity and you grow so much stronger. So I think that through like the marathon, the marathon training, no matter what distance you're racing, I think I love running for that. Definitely. Um, you, you talk about a lot about how sports change your life. Um, what would you say to young girls listening about the importance of sport long-term? Um, obviously, young girls drop out of sport at two times the rate as young boys and we really want that to change uh so from your yeah what what would you say um sport has done for you in your life and why it's so important to stay involved in sport wow um yeah sport honestly like I thank sport for everything everything that I have now and the life that I'm able to live and people I'm able to help through sport like it's just I can't imagine my life without it now and I think growing up you know I I danced a lot I played a lot of sport as a young kid and I really took to running more so in my teenage years as something to be you know a social part of my life because I got to connect to so many of my friends but also I had this like innate competitive side of me that um, I was able to unleash when I was running and I think Growing up and having sport and movement did so much for me and for my confidence. And I just, I guess I saw those girls who were dropping out of sport as teenage girls, you know, and the path that I guess a lot of those girls went down and very, I guess, different to the path that I was hoping for my life and I kind of went down that journey when I was like late teenager and I did quit running for a while and stepping away from sport and movement and and falling into some really severe mental health challenges I think that really highlighted for me like how important sport and running in particular was and is for me and my mental health and the confidence that I lost when I wasn't running was so extreme and I pretty much lost my self-worth I didn't know who I was and what I wanted to do with my life and it wasn't really until I stepped back into running, not even competitive running, just running to enjoy it and feel good about myself that I was like, this is something I want to be able to do forever. And I grew up with a sister who was, uh, we were very similar. She was a year older than me and we were very close and best friends growing up. And, you know, we've grew up, we grew up in the same environment with the same genetics and same opportunities. And unfortunately she she was really into sport just like me until she was a young teenage girl. And then she kind of went down the path of um, hanging out with her own crowd and really falling into traps of alcohol and drugs. And, you know, 20 years on, she's still there. And I just think I look at myself and I look at her and I'm just like, I don't know, like, 
I'm just like, man, like if she followed the same path that I followed, like, yeah, she could be a whole different person, you know? Um, yeah, so I guess for me, like sport saved me and it just like took me on a, yeah, it just took me on the, the right path and to the place that I wanted to be. Um, and where I should be and where I belong and unfortunately she went the other way and I think that's probably why um sorry (laughs) I think that's that's probably why I'm so passionate about getting other young girls into sport because it can really make it can really make who you are and, and provide you with such a fulfilling life and confidence and full of you know opportunity and connection and I think that's what a lot of people lack in their lives so if we can get young girls in the sport I just think we have the power to save a lot of people and and build a world full of confident women who are on the right path to live a really fulfilling life yeah (laughs) oh that was beautiful I'm crying too (laughs) um that's really tough and I I know that you wish that you could help your sister more, but you've done everything in your power to help her. And um, I think, you know, running is such a tool and sport is such a tool. And we're really lucky that we are still in love with it and like stayed in it. But yeah, a lot of people do just quit and then that's the end. But hopefully we can make a change and make more young girls stay in sport. Um, I think like you said it is a sense of community and belonging and people search for that in any way through anything they do that's what most people are looking for so I think sports sports that for us which is really 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 cool I think so and like we think about the reasons why young girls drop out and I think about the reason why my sister dropped out of sport and turned you know to the dark side I guess and a lot of that I think is like young girls are growing up in a world where there's so much comparison and there's so much competition and if you're not winning or being the best then who are you you know and I think we just need to really encourage girls to do sport for their mental health and for the I guess benefits that it provides us and not necessarily just to be the best like it's not about being the best all the time it's just being part of it and moving and and you know if you continue and we all know that consistency pays off like that's when the results come anyway so yeah I just think if we can try and keep girls in sport no matter what we're doing I think through Femi like educating people on how to work with girls better is yeah hopefully going to be super powerful because we can actually get people to encourage girls to stay in sport for the right reasons definitely and I think even um you know, there's, there's waves happening all around, you know, I know in, in junior rugby, they took away uh, scoring of games for young boys and girls because it's too competitive and the parents get too into it. And then the kids end up being like, well, like I'm specializing in rugby and I'm 12 years old and my parents care about it so much. So they've like fully changed a lot of the game. And I think that's so important. And like you always talk loads about your coaching and how you had such a good coach that was like, keep it fun. And um, no one, no one remembers like a really good junior athlete, you know, and I think that was really cool. And it really helped with your running, whereas I had the opposite and I quit running. So it does show that um, we have to keep it fun and, and just know that it's good for our mental health as much as it is our physical 
Um, but it's cool that these things are changing in, in organised sport around New Zealand, which is exciting. Yeah, that's cool. I bet the parents aren't happy about the scoring being taken away. But... They definitely were not. <laughs> Byron yeah. helped start that program, but um, yeah, so it's that's rolled awesome. out now all around New Zealand, which is cool. Um, you are a very spiritual person. Do you see running as part of your spirituality? Like I know that you you value running so much um, for your mental health, but on the spiritual side, how do you think it affects you? I definitely think that running can be super spiritual. I think there's elements to running that are really spiritual. And I think I've definitely found myself a lot through running. And I think for me, spirituality is about like connecting to who you are as a person, as well as connecting to the world around you, you know, the physical world, um, the environment, nature. I think there's so much that running can do for you as a person that's, um, yeah, really built into your spiritual side and and for me running I guess allows me at times I wouldn't say all the time not every run do I feel like this but particular runs it allows me to meditate and disconnect and clear my mind and it allows me to work through challenging times and figure out what I want I think the best ideas and the best I guess the best story I've told myself about myself has come to me through running and being able to connect to myself to that sort of level. Um, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have done if I didn't run. So I think there's a huge connect between the two and probably why I'm such a advocate for running for mental health is because it allows you to figure out who you are and a big part of mental health struggles and challenges and people who are falling into states of anxiety and depression comes from the idea of being lost and not knowing who you are and what you want in life and I think by movement and for me running I've been able to work through that and figure that out and it allows me to I guess prioritize my energy and put my energy into the right things and the right people and for me that's all very much connected to my spirituality and allows me to I guess be happy in who I am and really just like at peace with the journey that I'm on yeah that's that's so true I always notice because sometimes I don't take my earpods and I actually find it's like so relaxing and I think sometimes people yeah want to listen to music real loud music and stuff but it is quite nice to just go with nothing and you do you just have the most weird thoughts and like the most random tangents and then you come back to reality and you're like where was I but it is like yeah it's so awesome just to like completely switch off I think it's like the repetition of the movement obviously running super repetitive but yeah when you take your headphones out you hear yourself breathing and even just our breath is super spiritual you know like that's what keeps us alive and if we can hear ourselves breathing through the movement of running, I think that's probably the connection to figuring out who we are because it allows us to connect to like our internal self. So yeah, I don't, if you're listening to us and you're out running, don't turn us off yet. <laughs> I would, I would encourage people to go for runs without music and podcasts and without the headphones and see where their mind goes. Definitely. Obviously, Femi has been a big part of your life over the last year. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey and what it means to you? It has. It's been my baby over the last year, I think, you know, between you, Esther, myself. 
and all of our coaches and our experts all coming together, you know, all on the same mission to allow females to feel empowered in themselves. Like it's been such an incredible journey to be part of. And I'm just so proud of the movement that we've already made in the last about 14, 15 months now, but so excited for like what we're going to be rolling out in the future and hopefully even have even more impact on even more lives. And for me, it's just, honestly, I feel in my heart that I'm in the right place finally. I think for the last, you know, 10 or so years in my career and with the running and everything that I've been doing, I kind of always knew there was going to be something, but I wasn't quite sure what it was going to look like. And I knew I loved working with girls and I, I loved obviously encouraging people to run, but I also loved the emotional and spiritual side of it. And I feel like Femi brings all of that together and is the epitome of building strong females. And that's kind of, my I guess purpose is to help females feel confident in who they are and I think through Femi we are already doing that and I think like moving forward we're going to do that even more so and I just I just honestly just feel like at peace with what we're doing it's a hustle like I when I say at peace it's not like we're just chilling but (laughs) but it's all it's all worth it I feel like at peace because I'm on the right path and I get to work with you my best friend every single day so like what more could I ask for? Cute, but you also just answered my last quick fire question, Lid. So <laughs> we already know the purpose now. <laughs> um, Sorry. No, no, no. I must know this podcast too well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, what do you want to see in the future from Femi? What's the ultimate goal? Like if you could wrap it up in a sen- in a sen- well, not a sentence, that's too hard. But what's the ultimate goal for Femi? I think to build an empire of girls all around the world to come together and feel connected to each other and feel empowered in themselves. Like that is the goal and it isn't about me and it's not about you and it's not about our coaches. It's about every single female that we can, we can touch and we can have, you know, some form of impact on. And for me, I just want to build that community for girls to be on this journey together to grow women now but also help the next generation of women to be able to provide an environment for them to feel safe heard seen and secure in what they do so it's not even about sport as such it's about just building confidence in women all around the world of all ages and sport and movement as our voice to do that love that oh goosebumps (laughs) All right, Liz, we've got one quick fire question because the other one's done. So uh, what would you say to your younger self? This is so funny because we asked this to everyone and I haven't really thought about it. I, I think I would just say go back and say trust the process. I don't think, I don't regret anything I've done. Um, I don't look back and want to change things. I think every single experience and moment that I've had in my life has brought me to who I am, but there's been a lot of time where I have wondered why and questioned things and, you know, felt anxious about things. And I think if I could have just leaned into those experiences more and knowing that something bigger and better was coming, I probably would have enjoyed myself more at those times. So 
I think I need to still tell myself that now going through challenges that you know better things are on the horizon so it's probably something I would tell my younger self but I would also tell try and tell myself that now and forever for sure yeah that's such a good one um awesome lads thank you so much that was amazing uh, you're so open and honest and I'm sure everyone will love listening. So thank you so much again, Lids, for your time today. Love Thanks. It. Yes, thanks for the questions. They were great questions. Loved <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> uh, thank you uh, for everybody that tuned in and listened to us, not only today, but over the last 11 episodes as well. We appreciate every single one of you who has tuned in and provided us feedback. Uh, if you are listening to any of our episodes, definitely share it on social. We'd love to hear from you. But for now, we are going on holiday. So we are taking the next couple of weeks off. We will be back with our next season on um, 7th of January. So that will be a fresh episode. We'll have some fresh guests on the um, Pod, which is very exciting. But for now, thank you so much for tuning in and stay tuned on Finny.co on Instagram. And we will see you next year. Oh,